Last year, we discussed our predictions for Elon Musk's talk at the International Astronautical Congress in Guadalajara, Mexico. He unveiled the Interplanetary Transport System, a two-stage rocket and spacecraft architecture that leveraged full reuse and orbital refueling designed to enable large payloads and people to be landed softly on the surface of Mars and beyond. We saw the first images of a subscale Raptor Methalox engine test firing, as well as the surprise reveal of a carbon composite tank on the scale of ITS. However, a year has gone by, and Elon has confirmed we'll be seeing significant changes to the Mars architecture at IAC in Adelaide, Australia this year. We sit down today to discuss our predictions for this year's International Astronautical Congress on SpexCast. Hello and welcome to SpexCast, a podcast about the science and technology of space exploration. My name is Phil and I'll be your host today alongside TJ. Hello. And Augie. Hey guys. We're a group of students and alumni belonging to a student faculty research group called RIT Space Exploration, also known as SPECS, at the Rochester Institute of Technology. On this podcast, we dive into the technologies that make space exploration possible. You can learn more about SPECS and SPECSCAST at our website, specs.rit.edu. Today we're talking about the annual International Astronautical Congress This year is the 68th one put on by the International Astronautical Federation um, in Adelaide, Australia. Please let us know what topics you would like us to discuss in the future by sending us a tweet at RITSpecs or an email to specscast at gmail.com. TJ has also been working really hard to bring you specscast.com and we are launching a companion blog to this podcast to fill in the gaps for current events and we'll also have a summary of everything we discussed here. So check that out at blog.specscast.com. So let's get started. Um, The IAC um, is a Congress or like an assembly put together by the International Astronautical Federation, um, and it started all the way back in 1951. I read up on the history about it uh, earlier today, and it was actually like rocket scientists got together um, after the Iron Curtain fell during the Cold War and said, you know, the space race is here, it's happening, but we don't want that to stop the scientific conversation. Uh, So the the Federation put together this Congress, and every year since, um, scientists and engineers and researchers have been gathering together to collaborate and share their research and so on. Um, Personally, I'd never heard of the IAC before last year when Elon Musk um, basically announced officially announced SpaceX's whole Mars architecture. Have you guys heard about IAC before last year? I hadn't. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, you know, it was probably like a conference that happened that had some interesting news out of it, but it wasn't uh, a you know, worldwide event until last year. It was a pretty worldwide event. You know, globally people attended, but a lot of people <laughs> didn't know about it. At least people that are just SpaceX fans didn't know about it uh, until last year. Uh, I was watching a talk uh, by Robert Zubrin uh, that was a couple weeks ago, and one of the men on the panel was talking about the general vibe at IAC in Guadalajara. 
uh, and he said that there's 15,000 college students who are cheering and hollering like it was a rock concert. Uh, and he said that that had never happened before at any IAC. Uh, and that was in context of, you know, what can something like the Mars Society do to promote, you know, interest in space. Uh, and so I definitely think uh, we definitely there's a big shift in public interest uh, that started last year and we hope can continues. You know, I wonder if it's because of the the grandeur that that happened. Um, Elon was walking around the stage with the ginormous screen behind him and um, really aesthetically pleasing graphics. Um, the way he talked, it kind of felt like one of those, you know, the thing that's become common, the tech company unveil of like the new iPhone, for example. It, it's just built up so much hype. And um, well, for a good reason. I mean, th- what they're proposing is radically different. Um, when we see stuff like Journey to Mars, it you, you look at it and it's like revolutionary what they want to do, um, but it doesn't have that newness to it where everything SpaceX put out was new looking and like crazy with 42 engines on on ITS, um, stuff like that, where it's just like, but he said it, it was so crazy, but he said it was such confidence um, that Elon, you know, normally speaks with where it's just nonchalant. This is what's going to happen. That I don't know. It was was really different. I think it's really interesting to kind of jump two steps back to the Mars Direct mission plan that Robert Zubrin announced, and you can actually watch uh, you know very grainy video of his talk. Uh, But I think the key points were that you had someone who was incredibly passionate about the mission pretty much sit down and talk about the key technical points for a whole hour. Right. Uh, you can watch a lot of conferences uh, and they're talking in big, broad strokes and big ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that from the ISS R&D conference where uh, Robert Bigelow talked and he had this whole theory, not theory, but pre- prediction of the future with cartoons. Uh, that He was predicting a Chinese overtake uh, and a new space race. Uh, which is cool and interesting, um, but to have someone like Elon or Robert Zubin sit down and it's like, no, here, here is my idea. Here are the numbers. Here's the timeline. Like these are these are the clear things you have to get done, and lead in with that. I don't think is something that happens very often at these public facing events. Yeah, those technical details really give give the their plans um, like a, a tangibility. You know, like Elon even made the comment last year. All these things in these videos are actual engineering designs that we have in our computers. Even still, we've seen those designs change over time. They were obviously just basically feeling out what the design would be. And since then, we've seen tests of Raptor. We we saw the uh, carbon composite tank test, um, which I think failed, right? Um, well, it exploded. You know, let's not forget that part. It exploded. <laughs> big pieces of carbon fiber everywhere. Let's talk about the immediate aftermath of IAC, where we had our pre and post prediction show kind of breaking everything down. Uh, but from the longer term, it's been almost a year to the day uh, of the last announcement. What are the big things that have occurred or been announced that kind of sets the stage for this year? So the first one that comes to mind for me, um, Elon made it, posted a tweet that said, our factory can already accommodate nine meter fuel tanks or something along those lines nine meter size tanks yeah nine meter size tanks and so that hints at 
uh, 9 meters instead of 12 meters uh, as what was proposed at IEC, which means that outer ring of 42 engines, um, the outer ring of that would have been gone, which leaves us with, what, 27 engines, which is still absurd, <laughs> uh, but much fewer um, engines than, than we originally thought, which could change the shape of the whole rocket, right? Well, I so before we go into like our specific predictions and guesses, because like we have this one this one sentence that has one number in it. Uh, you know, the big thing is that ITS was this interplanetary transport system with a terrible acronym, ITS or ITS, uh, which is, does not do well on social media or anything. What was that? It's not Googleable. Not Googleable. Um, and that had uh. You know, it was scaled to support a large Mars colony, right? We were left with this question. It's like, okay, well, the first mission, like, they're not going to send 100 people, right? Like, we don't expect them to. So, like, okay, there's five people in a huge ship that the only interior shot we got was a very, you know, cruise ship-esque open floor plan kind of set up. Um, it's like, are we going to send five people with that? Like, how is that going to work? Uh, and then that architecture could support, you know, one, five, ten dozens of of launches or of traveling spacecraft to build up a colony of you know a thousand people ten thousand even a hundred thousand um and so the big thing is that uh it looks like that's been scaled down right where you know i think the most un important and unfortunate slide at elon's iac talk was the one on funding that made a you know very pop culture joke about underpants steering stealing gnomes from south park uh, but it has those those question marks of, you know, somehow we get uh, some somehow we get the money, and then we achieve our goal. And I think the important thing is, you know, we had a major presidential election, and we have a new administration, and there's been no no big focus on Mars or a big confirmed funding push. And so I think SpaceX feels that as well. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we're making. A good revenue stream with our current rockets and launch services. We need a payback reusability, which we now know was a billion dollar investment, uh, which is a big thing for a private company to take on. That's a lot of, of risk if it hadn't panned out. And then try to shuffle that into ITS. And the ITS budget that we got was you know around ten billion dollars. It's like okay, you know SpaceX can put. Up Right now, it's about $100 million into that. That's still, what, 100, 100 years. Yeah. Uh, and they shuffle, you know, Falcon 9, the first one, was $300 million total. Uh, so you're talking, again, order of magnitude more. So it's, I think that's the biggest open question, and I think Elon was pretty straightforward with that. And I think that question, unfortunately, was unanswered by the greater aerospace community. Uh, so I, I think the, the one thing we'll we'll find out uh, this year is going to be at least some answer to that question of this is how we're going to pay for it. This is how we're we're going to do it. On his own Twitter feed, he said that they're really going to try and explain how they expect to pay for this. And that was definitely the thing that was missing with the first ITS. I mean, haven't we always known like Gwen Shatwell hasn't been uh, Gwen Shatwell, president of SpaceX, hasn't been shy about saying they want to use a satellite constellation providing um you know satellite internet and and things like that to 
pay for uh, SpaceX's architecture to get to Mars. She she said that in the past. Like we we know this. Yeah, and we hadn't heard a lot about what we hadn't heard a lot about the SpaceX constellation for a long time. Right, it had been the back burner. They had a, an office in Washington, an office in California, south of Hawthorne. Um, but recently, we've been getting a lot of a lot of news. And well, I think we'll have to do a whole episode on Starlink, which is the name of the SpaceX constellation, uh, because they're undergoing their own challenges. But that definitely seems to be ramping up. And I think we're going to get a lot of news. I think we're going to get a lot of news uh, at the conference about Starlink. Uh, there's already a leaked picture or a, a rough rendering of the satellite bus. Uh, so I, c- I could see a significant chunk, you know, maybe 15 to 20% of the talk being, here's Starlink, here are the features, this is what we're going to do with it, and ITS or mini-ITS is going to be a key element in that um, because that allows them to kind of justify the expense on the near term, and I think low earth orbit or just heavy lift super heavy lift uh is going to be a key feature of many our new ITS so, so we definitely all agree that SpaceX is going to have to you're going to emphasize funding for their next ITS at this IAC but you guys both brought up two separate points um one was the satellite constellation the other and, and TJ you mentioned this was at the current administration in the White House isn't interested in getting to Mars or, or funding a massive trip to Mars, and neither is you know the rest of the global community. Since the last IEC, there's been no large government coming out and saying, we'd love to help fund this. So um, one of the other aspects that could come out of IEC could be a pitch to go toward the moon, because there has been some interest in the moon between Jeff Bezos' company and a few initiatives that NASA has been starting. So where do you think um, SpaceX, SpaceX is going to emphasize their, their future funding goals? I kind of want to clarify here. Are you suggesting saying that like, it's in SpaceX's best interest to, um, well, I guess it makes sense for SpaceX to pitch ideas that fit the current goals of everyone that's in attendance at the IEC, which would be other international space agencies and private companies, like um, all the big names in in space. Um, So you're saying like, rather than convince them to go to Mars, SpaceX should or possibly could um, lobby for support to go to the moon instead? So based off what Augie said, uh, I think we can kind of paint a picture Uh, You know, we got a new administration early January, uh, and I think the very first episode we did this year was uh, on the news that Blue Origin was proposing a Blue Moon mission. They had a white paper uh, that they were passing around to people at NASA asking for a commercial cargo development contract, like what SpaceX used to develop Falcon 9 and Cargo Dragon, but for capability to soft land large payloads on the moon. And that was conveniently linked by the leaked by the Washington Post, which Jeff Bezos owns. Um, and we, I think we've seen that uh, progression throughout the year. The new astronaut class, not a single mention of Mars. So Journey to Mars mm-hmm. is pretty much dead. We got the announcement mm-hmm. from NASA about the Deep Space Gateway and Deep Sport Space Transport. And you can kind of tangentially 
you know, say that deep space transport is meant for Mars, but the first decade of its existence is going to be doing missions around the moon. Mm-hmm. And Deep Space Gateway, uh, they currently pencil in SLS launches for resupply, but SLS is a billion plus dollars per launch. That's pretty costly if you want to get experiments to Deep Space Gateway consistently. Uh, and now we have pretty strong rumors that NASA is working on a requ- working on a request for proposals to uh, give out to commercial companies for a lunar commercial cargo contract. So I I think what we saw in January has, you know, nine, ten months later come to fruition. And if that's true, you know, Blue Origin that instigated this, obviously they have a plan with New Glenn uh, and their BE-3 or 4 powered uh, lunar lander, uh, but also SpaceX uh, is obviously must be privy to this. And if they can spin this new ITS as for their internet constellation, for NASA contracts to the moon, uh, and then finally for Mars, then they can uh, justify it commercially, justify it governmentally, and then justify it to the company mission. SpaceX is always, um, at least like in, in my perception of them, have always had the position of why bot like if we want to go to mars we should go to mars um when people mention stepping stone being the moon um do you think that's gonna i, I guess you're, you're saying that's gonna change because of where the money is and it from a practical sense and not from a uh, ideological or, or philosophical well i think that's already that's already happened and has already been confirmed like with the announcement of Grey Dragon, uh, which is the SpaceX manned mission around the moon, uh, that caught a lot of people by surprise, externally and internally. Uh, and then at the ISS conference, Elon very officially stating that he recommends building a moon base and then moving on to Mars. Uh, when did he say that? At, Was at that... the ISS R&D conference. Okay. And so with those two... You know, one is an action and one is a statement. Uh, I think that pretty much sets the fact that, all right, SpaceX gets it. Like, if we want to get a billion dollars or $10 billion uh, in development funds, we need to play ball. And currently that ball is on lunar or cislunar projects. That brings them into this whole space of, um, like, previously going to Mars. Nobody else was doing that. They were alone. They didn't have any competition besides, like, NASA. Um, which was on a completely different time scale. If they go to the moon and they now, um, you know, are thinking about competing for lunar or cislunar public-private partnership deals and stuff, competing with Blue Origin, competing with, um, you know, resupplying the deep space gateway, like that's, it's kind of reining SpaceX in into the realm of where other companies can now challenge them. Well, they have to compete. It's it's entering a realm where they can compete because there isn't the money for Mars. So I would even I would even predict that, um, and you know we may never know this, but I would say that because of Blue Origin, that is a driver for SpaceX to build a smaller rocket. Because before Blue Origin announced their plans for their own large rocket and their desires to go to the moon and, and, and launch satellites, um, SpaceX could imagine a scenario pretty easily where they had a total monopoly on the low Earth and GTO market for satellites. But if they're busy building a multi-billion dollar Mars rocket and Blue Origin comes out with something bigger and slightly better, they can easily take a market share from SpaceX. 
And so SpaceX has to come up with something that they can get built in the short term so that they can maintain a competitive lead with Blue Origin. Yeah, I definitely think that uh, you know Blue Origin has definitely added competition. And I think that like the cis lunar space is going to have direct competition. Um, the only downside or counterpoint to that is the timelines where, you know, New Glenn is partially reusable. It's not fully reusable. It's expendable session stage, just like Falcon 9 or Falcon Heavy. Uh, and that's going to launch ideally in 2020. Now they have a huge factory in uh, Cape Canaveral. Like things are definitely moving along for them. Uh, but we will see like SpaceX has two and a half years of complete reusability and market dominance. Um, but like, I think you're right where if they could see, Oh, no government organization, no private company is going to attempt reuse and be able to match our prices for the next decade. Then they could have, you know, shuffled revenue and profit off that. Uh, and they're like, okay, like we're, we're only going to have this competitive advantage outright for three to five years, right? That's not enough time. And, you know, Falcon Heavy uh, is going to be in the same price point and the same capability class as New Glenn. Uh, the three-stage New Glenn is more than five, five years out. Uh, but I think the most important thing about mini ITS and what like my first prediction is that it will be able to land on the moon, deliver cargo and payload to the lunar surface. However, in the official design and all flights, it's going to have the outer mold line and capability to land on Mars. Like we're not going to get something like a lunar excursion module that is not designed for aer aerodynamic flight uh, so that SpaceX has the strong technical argument that they can go and it's like, hey, this can go to Mars, like in the long term. Yeah, and I think that's what they'll focus their um, talk on. I think Elon's going to talk a lot about the new rocket and its capabilities to get a small payload to Mars. Um, and I also think that's going to be super valuable for satellites. I really think the satellite perspective is where they're going to try and make most of their money. But I'm sure there will be a small portion, maybe even just a sentence or two, dedicated to saying, you know, this rocket can go to the moon too. We'd be totally open to, you know, having someone pay us to send cargo to, to the moon or to help build a lunar base. Um, you don't think that SpaceX would do the same thing, like well, some something similar that they did with reusability, and just like what TJ said, demonstrate Mars capabilities. Currently, like maybe send a mini ITS into highly elliptical orbit, and then come down at a really fast speed through Earth's atmosphere to demonstrate going through Mars atmosphere. You know, yeah, but that's all part of going to Mars. I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying they won't focus a lot on moon. I don't think they're going to announce a moon mission. Other than maybe more information on Grey Dragon, which they already have planned, okay, okay. I don't think they're going to focus on saying, we, we've changed our minds, we're going to go to the moon first, we're going to spend our own dollars to go to the moon. I think what they're going to say is, we're going to make a ton of money building the satellite constellation. It's going to help us build this rocket, which is going to be able to launch our satellites and take over a, a, um, a, a larger market that can help us raise money so that we can take smaller payloads from Mars and fund the development of a larger rocket. I only think they'll mention that it can do additional moon capabilities. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, I would say that we're now the CGI from last year was quite minimal. I would reckon we might get... Uh, a slide or a shot of an, a new ITS landing on the moon because I think that's really important 
for them to latch onto that NASA funding. But again, you know, SpaceX is not a moon company. SpaceX is a Mars company, uh, and they have 6,000 employees that uh, are mostly dedicated on Mars. And, you know, with Grey Dragon, that's already a step out of their, their comfort zone from a culture perspective. And Elon's comments about building a moon base are another big step. Um, well, I think they, they do need, internally, externally, need to keep the, uh, the pressure on, uh, on Mars. And like, you know, I, I think uh, not a, a downside or a negative, but something that would be disappointing would be, hey, we're going to build this new rocket. It's got a, you know, 10 year development timeline and first mission or the first five missions are all moon focused and with no timeline to Mars. Uh, I don't expect that, um, but that that would be, you know, a huge turnabout and a whole refocusing which I just don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think uh, Elon's going to announce more details on how Raptor's coming along or, or more development and more near-term immediate technology, like Methalox, more carbon um, structures for their space vehicles? I don't know. Or do you think this is going to be like another broad strokes type thing? I bet you it's going to be a lot of technical details and technical information like we got at the last IAC. I mean, I fully expect to see a new mock-up with technical drawings of some smaller nine-meter carbon fiber um, like um, shell for a rocket with methalox and an update on you know how the Raptor's coming along. Who knows? We may even get a video of another Raptor test or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, with Raptor, you know, we got uh, a picture and later video of a Raptor test fire at IAC. And we found out a little bit later there was a subscale. It's about one-third the thrust. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Do you think we're going to have a full scale Raptor on display? Do you think Elon's kind of hiding that waiting for the announcement for a full scale? Or do you think we're going to get a whole montage of subscale with a promise of full scale soon? Or do you think that the current design or the new design is going to feature subscale Raptors instead of full size Raptors? That's a solid question. I think the new design is going to feature full scale Raptors. And they're going to want to use it for their future rocket. Although I bet you they'll make a ton of revisions on it when they build the giant ITS. I bet they'll make a ton of revisions. It'll be like Merlin Block D or whatever. It'll be it'll be way further down the line. Um, and I think I don't know. I don't know if they'll actually have um, firings of the full scale rocket. I bet he might announce um, you know when when they're starting production. Maybe, maybe I guess the the better way to do it would be to talk about when we expect this rocket to be built. So, so you know, Elon's confirmed kind of that it's probably going to be a nine meter or smaller rocket, um, somewhere around that range, and it fits in their current factory. Sounds like they have most of the capabilities to build one, and they've created a lot of reusable Falcon nines. They've already landed. Um, TJ, do you know the number off your top of your head? How many have they landed so far? I want to say sixteen with twelve in a row, but. Uh... How many they reuse? They reused two so far as well. I think two. Yeah, and they're gonna reuse two more for Falcon Heavy. Yep, and they've added over a dozen. So they're gonna they're gonna eventually with Block Five of the Falcon Nine, they're gonna have a, a, a ton of rockets in their fleet that they're not gonna need to build any more of. So they'll you could imagine they have maybe a, a dozen in in uh, constant production, maybe a dozen more on backup, and once they get to twenty four Block Fives, they'll be pretty much done with production. And so if you project out and say that they'll be able to make these rockets over the course of the next two to three years, 
you can imagine them starting production of the future rocket as soon as they're done creating enough block fives to handle the entire launch market. Yeah. Now, one thing to do keep in mind is that you'll need second stage production. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Elon's comment that a nine meter uh, vehicle could be built in the factory uh, is very important. And one thing to keep in mind is that uh, SpaceX has expanded greatly in the Hawthorne area. Right. It's not just the one factory that they had. Uh, they have a whole separate building dedicated to Dragon. They have all the smaller buildings. Uh, and I believe that within the next two to three years, uh, as their neighbor's leases expire, they're going to be moving into all of those. So you're going to have a SpaceX industrial park or even new large building construction in that area to support Falcon 9 production, Dragon production, as well as future new ITS uh, production. So like it's, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, last, last year uh, Elon proposed, it wasn't a confirmed plan, but proposed moving everything down to Louisiana to Michoud where the Saturn five was done final assembly. And, you know, we discussed like the major problems with that, right? When you have several thousand people that live and work and have families in LA uh, having that same workforce move out to Louisiana is a non-starter. And if you want to create a new workforce, then that has its own challenges as well. So I definitely think focused, focused in LA, it's focused in Hawthorne. um, And that, I think that transition is going to be very interesting and, you know, I think they can do it, but I think it's, it's the hard option. Starting from scratch, uh, you know, has a lot of advantages. So you think they'll start from scratch, but in LA? They'll, they'll buy up additional buildings and they'll start building an entirely new rocket facility to make the, the mini ITS. Again, I'm not sure. I mean, if you look at the tank, the demonstration tank, you know, that was in some random building in uh, Washington next to Puget Sound. We don't know if it was built uh, in Hawthorne, which I don't think it was, or built someplace else in the country or built in, the, in another country. But they, you know, they surprised everyone with a top secret kind of project uh yeah but that's a uh, that's a small thing i mean it's big physically mm -hmm. but it's not like the size of building and maintaining an entire rocket and designing an entire production facility around it yeah because like you know that was 12 12 meters but it was only probably 10 10 or 12 meters tall you know you can't like it's hard to hide and it's hard to build a hundred meters by nine meter tank so thinking of the the people that are in attendance here elon's going to be speaking to space agency leaders, industry leaders, like the, on, on that level, um, people who are deciding contracts and, and where to steer their own companies. So like this type of conversation, I don't think that's going to show up there, right? Where they're going to build it? The sort of logistics of, I think it'll get maybe a sentence or two, like we're thinking about doing this, um, hiring this many people, building this facility. But I don't, I mean, maybe those details will come out later or maybe during a Q&A session, uh, if there is one. I'm not sure if there is one. I, I still think IAC specifically is going to be broad strokes, but with, like we saw last year, lots and lots of technical detail to give that legitimacy. Because um, if you speak too broadly and you just have a few bullet points on a, on a PowerPoint slide, you know, people don't trust it. Um, I certainly wouldn't. So I agree with that, but I also think one logistical detail that would make people believe a lot more in what SpaceX is doing is if they said, these are our manufacturing timelines, we're building them in the facility we're already using, 
we're going to phase out block five of Falcon nine, or we're going to build this extra building for it. And then we're going to be able to, you know, start in 2018 or something like that, or not 2018, but it'll probably be two years, two, three years from now. And then it would give a lot more credibility, I think, for uh, what they're trying to do. But I agree it won't be a big part, maybe just a, a sentence or two. Yeah, I think, um, you know, not, not a like a prediction with a lot of faith in it, but something I would personally like is a, a Gantt chart with a timeline, but not the one we got from last year where it was kind of a single stroke we're going to do development do a test flight send people 10-year time frame um if they had kind of you know tracking like here's what the factory exactly what augie said here's the factory timeline here's the raptor timeline here is first stage booster here's second stage booster uh and more detail in like hey like this is what we're going to hit now. Now, SpaceX is not known for hitting and keeping their timelines, uh, but that's definitely something that would show uh, a lot of faith in the project because, you know, I think we can all safely say that last last year's plan was here is a potential plan if money arrives. And I think the key differentiator is that this is the plan. We have a plan to get the money and it's all bundled up into one. Um, one last question. Do you think Elon is going to call out specific um, companies or specific projects to say, like, those guys did it wrong or those guys, um, you know, we're going to do it better than those guys? Do you think that's going to happen or is it going to be only about themselves? I think it'll be only about themselves. I don't think they're going to bring up any other competitor. Yeah, I don't think there's a need to. I mean, you know, we saw a lot of not bad blood, but like, angry glares uh at blue origin uh about almost two years ago uh with their reusable booster video and claim uh i think that's kind of been put behind them Uh, but like it doesn't like a it doesn't benefit them to trash talk like we're not like they're not competing against other companies milestone to milestone right um at this point and then no other company has a plan like theirs like there's New Glenn, which is a next generation super heavy launch vehicle, uh, but that has a completely different goal and completely different design. And so like, you know, maybe there's a there's potential for jabs, maybe, but I don't see a reason. And I, I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I don't think it's gonna happen either, but I do think Blue Origin and SpaceX are competitors. They absolutely have different goals, but you can imagine if SpaceX focuses exclusively on trying to get to Mars and just monopolizing the launch market with their current rockets, Blue Origin coming out with something better and, and taking their market and then them not being able to fund their Mars trip. So I think from that perspective, they are competitors. They're gonna have to compete. And if the money's at the moon, they're gonna have to go for that. So I heard someone joking that what if Elon walked on stage with his space with a spacesuit, like dressed in a a new flight suit for their dragon? Um, <laughs> anyone think that's gonna happen? I don't think so. Maybe we'll get more pictures though. See, I really want it to happen. I like. I think there's arguments for it, practical arguments in that, you know, for a long time we didn't have any pictures of spacesuits. Like they're we're now, they're now out, and we know that. NASA's seen them, they've been tested, they were approved, they're ready to go. Um, but I think from a public perception uh, standpoint, like, yeah, all of the 
people who are supposed to be there uh, in the room, high high officials and different space organizations, they're not going to care. They might think it's tacky, uh, but f- you know that's it's a live streamed event with a large local audience and international audience. Uh, and I think having you know f- something physical on stage is a huge benefit. Uh, I know it'd be very difficult because of ITAR, but if they rolled out you know a uh, Raptor subscale test article onto stage like that's a huge psychological impact. Uh, and I think you know the most recent non-IAC SpaceX event was the Dragon 2 unveiling that was at their factory. They had a model or mock-up of Dragon 2. They had pictures of the Super Dracos. They had the comically fast stairs. Like, I think Elon's style fits into having props uh, and things like that. And so I wish they would have it. I think it would be really cool. But uh, it might not be that practical. I don't think they will because it's not like their SpaceX factory. It's not somewhere they can spend a ton of time, you know, setting up a big reveal like they could at the Tesla factory or the SpaceX factory. Um, I also think most of their audience isn't at IAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the example would be Tori Bruno and Jeff Bezos. Probably both of them will watch it. And they'll watch it just like we will over a webcast. Well, I, th- I think Tori Bruno and... and- company will be there in person okay tory might be there i'm sure ula is there i don't know if tory himself will be there maybe he is but i think a lot of um a lot of people a lot of his audience aren't actually going to be there and having something on stage is still impactful but it's not the same impact that you'd have as actually being there i just don't know if they'll go through all that effort especially with itar um, and I think, you know, coming out in a spacesuit could be cool, but I think it'd be cumbersome to give an entire presentation once you get out there. Okay, so we discussed what we think Elon is going to say, roughly what, you know, which sentence is there going to be here and there, which direction SpaceX is going to go, and their general mindset going into IAC. Let's break down what we think is actually going to be in the talk and how ITS has changed since last September. Mm-hmm. So... There's a couple, well, not a couple, there's a few guideposts uh, that we can kind of assume aren't going to change and some hints from Elon. So Elon mentioned nine meters. The factories can support up to nine meters. I'm going to assume that if it can go up to nine meters, it's going to be at nine meters. Uh, I'm going to say that they're going to stick with carbon fiber tanks. Um, that might be like the downfall of me because their carbon composite test tank did explode. Uh, but I'm on the more uh, positive, hopeful side in that they've secretly built another one that maybe is 9 meters, maybe full size or a partial length. Uh, you know, Obviously, it's going to still be methylox, still going to use ISRU. I think it's going to have uh, orbital refueling uh, because there's a ton of benefits to that, uh, especially in Mar- payload capacity to Mars. Uh, so 9 meters... I don't think it's going to be the full 400 f- feet, uh, maybe a little bit shorter, maybe 350 or 300. It's going to be tall. It's going to be pretty big. Uh, I think you know the obvious thing is you delete the outer engines uh, and you go from 42 to 21, which means you scale down the thrust from, I was trying to find the exact number, uh, 128 newtons down to, what, 50, 60, 64 newtons. Uh, or 13, 14 million pounds of thrust. So basically about half. The kicker is in orbital refueling, right? Because the first ITS 
uh, had a payload to Mars of 450 tons, and that's huge. And so, still counting the spaceship mass, uh, I'm going to say maybe 100 tons or maybe 200 tons, because that's still a large amount. But if you're thinking, if you only need to support, say the first mission has six people, you know, that's six people with 100 tons of supplies. Uh, and you could scale that up, that ratio of supplies to people over time, and you can send a crew of 20 or maybe a crew of 50. Um, and so I still think it's, you know, something that's superbly capable uh, that can go to the moon. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be able to do ISRU on Mars. It's not going to do any lunar ISRU. Uh, still nose first heat shield reentry on Mars uh, with a flip around, uh, which is what we saw uh, in the initial video. Uh, I think it will probably have the same landing leg structure. Um, it might be a little bit different. Um, I don't think we'll have the sideways solar panels that come out of nowhere. Uh, they look cool, but uh, I don't think that's very practical. And I. I want to say that they're going to try to land it in the mount still. Where? What was the last we'll part? Uh, that the original design did not have landing legs. It had fins that acted as uh, attachments for the launch mount. Uh, so I'm going to say that it's going to land back in the launch mount. Okay, so you don't think it'll have landing legs? Yeah, so no legs. I don't have the, the knowledge or expertise to make any comments on the technical level like you, DJ, but I think it'll be, you know, maybe... Uh, the first couple minutes, maybe like 10% are going to be what's changed since the last time, you know, like um, explaining which changes uh, took place in their designs. The next 20 or 30% being the justification of why these cha things changed, like um, scaling down ITS because we don't need to send 100 people right away. Um, also, because we already have infrastructure that can support 9 meter tanks, etc. Um, and then the last bit is going to focus extremely heavily on things they're doing right now that are supporting this um, ITS stuff. Like that, I think that's going to be the whole second half of the talk. It's going to be, we already have this money. You guys are already paying us to do this, and we're going to use it here. And then we've got this satellite constellation that is awesome in its own right. Um, obviously speaking as SpaceX here. Um, and then we're going to use that to pay for it, just like we said, but also this means we'll have more capabilities and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I think what's changed, justifications, and then the whole second half is going to be what we're doing right now um, and what we're looking for, like which proposals we're going to grab um, or uh, what do you call it? solicitations or whatever um to go and actually do it that's that's all i can say uh for what i'm expecting yeah i think i generally agree with that that matches my expectations too but i do think they'll probably open up with um kind of the justifications instead of just immediately starting with what changed from last time they'll they'll and i don't know maybe you I, maybe you didn't mean about the technical details of the rocket um but i think they'll talk about what um what what reasoning they have to change before they talk about what the new rocket looks like. Yeah. I meant the other way around, but um, I, I see your point. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Do you have strong opinions on any on technical, technical designs? I know like the nine meter is kind of a 
well, yeah, of course they'll do that kind of thing. They'll definitely do nine meter. I agree with uh, I agree with the twenty one engines instead of forty two. Makes sense if it's nine meters. Um, it'll be full scale Raptor. I already made that projection earlier. I agree with you that they'll probably have fins and land in the launch mount. They've gotten really, really good at landing the Falcon 9. I mean, they literally hit the X every time. It's, it's you know, if they add some fins and can get the, if they can get the roll orientation correct, they could easily land in, in, in some sort of launch mount, and then they could quickly refuel. Uh, refueling easily will probably feed right into ISRU. I do not think that they'll have the technical details of ISRU figured out yet, but they'll say, you know, generally it'll look like this. We just have to build this thing on Mars that we don't quite know how to do yet. Um, but it, it will probably include ISRU. I think it'll definitely include orbital refueling. Um, and that's because if it doesn't, it doesn't distinguish itself very much from the Falcon 9 and the Falcon Heavy. Um, I mean, literally, there would be, it, it, assuming they can reuse the second stage of a Falcon 9 or Falcon Heavy, which may or may not be feasible, period, um, in, the, in the short term, then there's no other differentiator besides it being a slightly larger rocket. You know what I mean? Why not just put a Raptor engine on a Falcon 9? Um, so I think it'll definitely include orbital refueling because that's what you need to really get kind of an order of magnitude improvement in your launch. The sideways solar panels. So that one I didn't actually think about at all. Um, are you are you implying that you don't think they'll have any solar panels at all? No, I'm, I'm saying they're going to have solar panels, uh, just not those magical accordion solar panels that come out of like nowhere so they'll have some sort they'll, they'll probably look kind of like the falcon or the uh uh dragon does now maybe you don't think they'll have solar panels on the outer shell like uh like uh the trunk of the crew dragon i don't think they can with re-entry uh because it would get destroyed or just damage yeah so how where, where can they put it to protect it from getting destroyed? why it would probably have to be something that's deployable that can go into a, a bay um, but I'm thinking something more traditional, whether it's the dragon's current like rectangular panels or something that's Orion used to have those used to have the the nice circular ones, but not the magical accordion panels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't think about that one too much, but that makes sense. Yeah. You didn't talk about the glass, but I think you probably agree. They're definitely going to get rid of that big glass window that they had. Uh, it would look super cool, but, you know, probably not practical from a cost perspective in the short term. Yeah, I, I think especially um, after the cancellation of Crew Dragon propulsive landing, uh, based on safety concerns of just like the legs, not well, not just because of the legs, but and the removing of the the legs, uh, I definitely think they're gonna be like, hey, especially we'd love to have a huge window. They're gonna gonna cancel that. Um, also, like I don't know why I brought up the whole landing and the launch mount thing because I tweeted at Elon and he replied. Uh, I was like. Is ITS going to use a suicide burn to minimize gravity losses or hover to land in the launch mount? Uh, and he said, slow at first, then very fast. Definitely not hover. And that was in June. So definitely a launch mount for this new ITS. So from Elon. Does, does from that Elon. imply launch mount? Uh, yeah, I'm sure if he answered it, yeah, he wouldn't have. Yeah, he wouldn't have just been vague like that. Okay. Yeah. One of my other predictions is that the new rocket will not have any stages that fly first as part of the Falcon Heavy or Falcon 9. So I don't, you know, there's a lot of predictions out there that talk about having a second stage being built that's fully reusable for 
the new uh, mini ITS and then having that mounted on a Falcon Heavy to fly first. I totally get the advantages of that, but I don't think they'll do that. I think they're going to be better off building it from the ground up, and I think they've already experienced with Falcon Heavy trying to create an amalgamation of three Falcon 9 cores and seeing how much of a problem that was. I think they'll just learn from that decision and make a full new rocket. Mm-hmm. Right. They built Falcon 9 plus Dragon and launched them simultaneously um, to their success, you know, the, the first time around. So maybe, and that that was moving from Falcon 1 to Falcon 9 and Dragon. Yeah. So I think um, now t- that, that's a logical... To be fair, uh, the ITS spaceship or whatever manned payload goes on this thing is an order of magnitude more complex than Dragon. Right, We're already seeing the transition between Cargo Dragon versus Crew Dragon right. in the order of complexity. We're basically going from manned capsule to space station that can also re-enter propulsively so that's a huge leap and uh that's going to be more expensive to you know for perspective developing cargo dragon which is a tiny little spacecraft on top of falcon 9 cost about the same amount that developing falcon 9 did so uh, it's not proportional by size of vehicle when we start getting into spacecraft and life support and dealing with humans and keeping them safe so you think you think it's complexity of the space station uh, being recovered and landing propulsively and not like the space shuttle, which it, it seems shuttle-esque to me um, as far as re-entering with its belly first and and stuff like that. You don't think it's on the complexity of the shuttle? Well, the, the ITS that had 100 people is definitely more space station. You're, oh, okay. you're going to need a industrial grade life support system. Like the space shuttle, you know, only had a mission duration of a few weeks. I thought you meant mini ITS, like the, the first iteration of this next generation launch vehicle capsule spaceship type thing, which will be smaller, you know, six people max. Mm-hmm. You don't think that'll be on the complexity of the space shuttle? Uh, well, I think it might be on par with the the complexity of the space shuttle or like the space transportation system. Uh, but you know, you look at how much that costs to develop. Um, now, granted, through NASA development processes, but you know, it's it's going to be expensive. Uh, it's going to be harder than they think it is, and I think that's going to be. I think the ITS spacecraft is going to be on the critical path. I think the booster, you know, Augie said that Falcon uh, Falcon 9, Falcon Heavy wouldn't fly any uh, ITS components, and I agree. But I think they're going to have a working booster well before they have a working spacecraft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could see some, some testing, like Grasshopper, being done uh, until they can actually get that thing working. What? They don't need Grasshopper. They have the Falcon 9. Well, a Grasshopper, like, you know, just a booster that they launch up and down. I don't know. We'll see how the Falcon Heavy goes, but they have experience with, you know, launching three. If they, you know, if they get experience launching three smaller boosters and landing them all at once, then you could think they'd be able to design just a much bigger booster. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll have tons of firings. Yeah. So I'm not saying they're not going to be successful with landing, but I'm thinking they're going to have a, a booster without second stage built. They're going to be doing test fires. They're going to be doing launches up to a thousand feet, ten thousand feet, and landing back down. Maybe a year or two years before the uh, the second stage is ready. Yeah, well, don't, don't you think they'll have like a simplified um, second stage for cargo and then a different one for crew, like they're doing with the current? That Falcon is I? true. That's something that I don't think any of us hit on. That I think the uh, new architecture is going to support 
payloads, commercial payloads into Earth orbits. Uh, so there's going to be a cargo version or a cargo bay of some sorts. But that's also going to be fully reusable. So. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, that's how this rocket will be the successor to the Falcon 9. Because if they can't reuse the second stage in the Falcon 9, um, or you know, they have to waste so much fuel to do it and, and don't have a very big payload, this will be a full replacement for it. I mean, that's super far down the road. But ultimately, if you can reuse both stages, then it's just the cost mm -hmm. of fuel. And I think that's what they're going to go for. I think they're going to come out with a cargo version first. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think too, it'll be, it'll be probably, um, you know, I don't know if they'll announce this. I'm sure they'll talk a little bit about Starlink and their satellite constellation, maybe just from the perspective of funding, but I bet you this new rocket will be designed to launch the bulk of their satellites for their constellation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously they're going to be doing some, some tests. What would be really cool is if they announced that, you know, they either had done or are about to launch some satellite tests. Uh, for their internet constellation? Those are, Those are scheduled, by the way. Oh, when's the first one? They're launching two. I can look at the exact date, or these, I think the first half of 2018. They're launching two demo two demo satellites. They got the FCC licenses and everything. Can I ask you a question on that point? Um, why use uh, something like a new vehicle to launch the majority of their satellites when Falcon 9 can already deliver um, payloads to LEO easily? and with rapid reuse. I think Falcon 9 will be their workhorse for at least the next half of a decade, absolutely, at least the next five years. But I think that ultimately the, the thing that's gonna replace it is the thing that can have full reusability and Falcon 9 doesn't have it. So to, in order to get another order of magnitude cost improvement, they're gonna need to switch to something that can get a large payload to orbit and be fully reusable. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, to follow up with the test satellites, uh, in May, uh, they filed with the FCC. It looks like they're trying to launch the first one before the end of this year uh, and launch the second one early next year. And those are 850-pound satellites. Uh, so full-size but test satellites for the Constellation. Uh, and then give a uh, timeline for begin launching in 2019. So I'm going to disagree with Augie that the uh, ITS is not going to put up the first iteration of, of Starlink. I don't think it'll, no. I, I never thought it would put up the first iteration of it or, or you know, the, the, the first stage of it. I was thinking more when they go to do the whole large scale, like 7,000 satellites or whatever mm -hmm. they eventually want to do. Exactly. So like, I, th I think Falcon 9 helps put up the first 5,000 and ITS puts up the next 7,000 and you have to understand, well, I think you understand. I would agree with that. And I think this will help fund uh, mm -hmm. ITS too. Um, I think they're going to need money, even though this rocket's smaller, they're going to need a lot of money to build it. And that can come from satellites launched via Falcon 9. Yeah. And also to keep in mind, once they put up the first 5,000, these do not have a 10, 15 year lifespan like geo satellites. So they're going to have to be replaced. Uh, and so that's a constant stream of uh, flights for the, the next 20, 30 years. Uh, and especially if they put 12,000. Well, forever. 12, I mean, really, until there's another form of... Uh, either a, a, a satellite that doesn't degrade or another form of internet, mm -hmm. you, you know, I mean, they're eventually trying to replace the internet communications infrastructure. And if they move it into satellites then they're going to constantly need to refurbish those, at least for the next mm -hmm. you know, century until we get something else. Yeah. Some long-term business plans. Sure. And they're going to want to do their, all of their launches cost effectively. And the way to do that is to reuse the entire rocket, not just the first stage, but reusing the first stage will help fund the next one. Right. This has been extremely in-depth, a lot more than uh, I was kind of expecting, you know, especially since the uh, 
the IAC um, it, keynote from Elon is actually billed as a follow-up to his talk last year, giving an update for his plans. It sounds like very basic, like not a lot's changed. Same deal, moving ahead, but um, we can always unpack so much <laughs> from everything that, that SpaceX announces. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys, especially Augie um, and TJ. We're all doing this remotely on different parts of the country. I so. think we're on three time um, zones, three different time zones. Mom time. Wonderful. I'm in Pacific. Always good to, to get together and talk about space. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we also have a very fun announcement. Uh, we are starting a blog. It's called Specscast. It's going to be at blog.specscast.com. <laughs> Uh, it's very creative. Uh, however, it's going to be kind of a mix of this show and covering news and topics uh, that don't easily fit into our episodes, right? Uh, we sit down uh, every week or so and and do a recording for an hour or two hours, and we put a lot of effort into the recording and the editing and production, uh, and there's space news happening every day. Uh, so this blog would be to capture multiple facets of that. So we would have... Uh, kind of news recaps uh, for different exciting space news. We'd have more in-depth thought pieces like we do on the show uh, and kind of a variety of different things. Uh, Phil already has some content up there. Uh, I have some content. We're, we're going to be trying to, a lot of different things uh, in the beginning to see what we like to produce and what you guys like to read. Uh, and we're going to have all of our episodes uh, linked as posts so you can easily share them uh, and Kind of spread the news that way uh, but we're really looking into uh, what you guys want to see from us it's kind of a creative and technical outlet for us uh, because we think and do space uh, all the time and we can't do podcasting all the time uh, so it's it's going to be an experiment hopefully you guys like it hopefully we can we like it and we can uh, make it a more recurring thing uh, but we're really excited and we hope you guys are too yeah, one of the things that that started this podcast was the, those conversations, like like the one we had today. Um, and new, like you said, news happens every day, and even especially now, like way back when we were releasing a podcast every week. And I think a lot of people that listen to the show have noticed that we haven't been able to keep keep up with that timeline because of how much work and planning goes into recording a podcast and editing it and releasing it. And the fact that so, we're on three different time zones right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, we privately have conversations about space, about current events, um, stuff that belongs in the podcast, but we can't record. So this blog is super easy. It's super quick. We can keep up with things and, and keep that conversation going when we can't be talking about it um, through a microphone. Yep. So we're still going to be doing the podcast the blog supplements everything that we've been talking about here and we will have uh you know pre and post iac articles and you know every event that comes in and all these new announcements i'm sure we're going to be eager to talk about them and maybe uh blog posts and, and podcasts will go hand in hand share your thoughts and ideas with us on twitter at rit specs facebook.com slash RITSpecs, or send an email to specscast at gmail.com. You can learn more about RIT space exploration and specscast at specs.rit.edu. Our music is by Nelson Scott. Find more at his website, thenelsonscott.com. <laughs>